This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. I have been extremely lucky on my journey with this podcast to chat with some really amazing people. And new people come to the podcast every week to listen. And so what we want to do with these lessons is take the little golden nuggets, the really important pieces of each conversation and bring them back to life for you. So hopefully it can change your mind, affect the way you think, or potentially give you a solution to a problem you're facing right now. What are you giving people that's different? People, I mean, you you know, you see... Like you see a lot of, for example, beauty brands that will, they'll do a photo shoot with a model and they're posting, you know, she's got beautiful skin, you know, or products smeared on her face and there's photos of bottles and whatever, but how many pages are there out there like that? So what is your page offering people that's different? Mm. And I think with me, one, it's solving a need. They want to buy dresses that make them feel amazing and they know I'm giving it to them. Two, I'm, I've just lost my train of thought. Oh. So they're connecting with me personally. And I think, again, it goes back to that why. They want to connect with a person. They want to connect with a journey. So that, I think, is a killer combination. And then I think the other thing is as well, understanding and really looking at, like I just drew on that example of like beauty pages, right? They're great, stunning images, really professional, but why aren't people engaging in them? And if they're not engaging in that, then what are the sorts of images that people are engaging with? I do that all the time. And I look at other brands, other influencers, and I look at the, the things that have the most interaction um, and the, you know, the little sort of tips and tricks that people use to engage people. So like one of them recently for me is, and this went viral. So I, I posted five outfits. So it was a carousel post. And I was like, one, two, three, four, or five. Like, which look is your fave? I got a million impressions on it. Wow. 24,000 likes, 11,000 saves, 200 and something comments. People love that kind of stuff. You're obviously a very creative person. And, and you know, I, I would actually say I'm the opposite. I'm very analytical. And, yeah, well, and yeah, you're like my partner, you know, I yeah. think you're one side or the other. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But I think it, I think it's a really, like, I can understand that, you know what I mean? So yeah. for like, for people out there that maybe are struggling with social media, I think the idea of creating a personality for your brand, and then the, I, I think, I, looking at research like we're a yeah. content business now so i think i'm getting a little bit better i'm nowhere yeah. near these guys but i think the idea of like looking what is actually working totally. and, and you'd be amazed at like what can happen if you just go and look at what's actually working yeah. and then try to give your for own other spin people, on it. i mean the examples are all there you've just got to do your research and i think even for us like with base obviously base isn't my personal identity it's a it's a separate entity um, and, the, you know, there was a bit of trial and error there of, you know, what sort of images interact, you know, what do people interact with most, you know, what's getting the most likes and then you test and you see and you go, okay, that worked really well, we need to do more of that. That's literally social media 101 and I think that's the biggest thing that holds people back, yeah. like not putting stuff out you need like so much feedback yeah. you need to be posting totally. so much just so that you can see okay well this worked it, that didn't work and then you can kind of you, you really do pick up how quick it can happen yeah absolutely so how do you get a clothing business off the ground like what is the actual process involved with that because i found like i mean 
we've talked about a lot of your journey and so yeah. on, but I think the nitty gritty is the interesting part for the for the listeners and for me at home is like, and 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 my belief is is that everybody looks at business in a unique way. There's these kind of overarching mm. principles that exist mm-hmm. of how you do it, um, and obviously in different industries as well. But but in your view, like how does it how do you make it work like how do you get it off the ground oh, is it social you know you're obviously social media that is orientated. extremely important yep so that's well that's one factor and then you've got the other factor of manufacturing garments and i think i guess for anyone who's studied they've got a understanding of how to construct a garment how to create patterns and then i guess you you send off your garment overseas or you give them to a local manufacturer with their patterns it's Local manufacturing and overseas manufacturing is two completely different processes. So for base brand, we create tech packs and we send those off. They've got their specs and they go off their specs. For us here, we create a pattern. We grade that pattern. Um, We invested uh, a year or so ago in a Gerber machine. So that does the plotting of the pattern. Oh, yeah. We've got a cutter who comes in. We lay the fabric. He cuts it and then we give it to our manufacturers that are local um so you're doing that here yeah here in australia okay so you're doing that here and then sending it off rather than relying on say the manufacturer to, to, to come back and it's almost like instead of sampling well you you've got it's it's more of a like it's a it's a more hands-on approach so my pattern maker will make a sample we'll fit it back and forth sometimes maybe four or five times so we're happy with the fit then she creates the pattern grades the pattern plots it you know we lay the fabric it gets cut it gets given to the manufacturer they make one we approve it or we send it back and we say change this or you know you got to do yeah. this or that whatever uh and then it comes you know the production comes to us and we There's ship it out so <laughs> you know and yeah. then you know you got shopify you got all of that so i mean it's a huge process and if you don't love it don't do it <laughs> <laughs> It, yeah. What about like logistically, right? So, so I know that like in the early days, getting something off the ground like that, it's it's not like you can just go out and get uh, so much quantity, and and you kind of do have to manage cash flow, and you have yeah. to manage production, and 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 the kind of logistical side of it. Yeah. What was what are the biggest kind of lessons that you've learned along the journey, or the I guess your guiding principles of like okay, from the very beginning onwards, you kind of without obviously it doesn't have to be super detailed, but like the how do you logistically get something like this off the ground flowing through that? I think you've got to mitigate your risks. And when you're making clothes, I mean, ultimately the consumer has to buy it. So you're not in control in that regard. But what you can control is your expenses. So local production requires smaller minimums. So you can produce a run of, I don't know, 20. See how that garment goes. If it sells out, you just say, guys, sold out, you reproduce it. You know what I mean? And, and that way, you know, you're not making like 100, 200 garments that you're going to be stuck with. Um, and you've got to outlay, outline all of your your costs and make sure you're really clear with everyone that you're dealing with from your pattern maker to your manufacturers. Do all your costings. And I think you know, for me, I'm not a numbers person by nature. So spreadsheets really help. Um, and that can help you manage your cash cash flow. And I think you've got to always consider what is the worst case scenario? What if I only sell this amount? What if I don't sell any at all? And not putting yourself in a position where, you know, you can topple over. And, and that is what happened with Zachary in the end was 
we opened all these stores and there wasn't enough money to fund enough stock for all those stores. So we were taking the same amount of stock that we had for two stores across six stores. Oh, so wow. essentially we're spreading our profits and we're bumping up our overheads. And to me, I don't know, that was just, you know, business 101. Um, but these are the lessons that you learn. Mitigating, I think mitigating your risk is the biggest thing to consider when you're starting out in particular, but always throughout business. And that, that's really interesting. So you've obviously got a lot of experience in kind of growing a business at all different yeah. phases. So what about the phase, what about when you, you know, when we move beyond just starting up and we kind of get to that point where it's like, because I, I feel like there would be a crossroads, right? There's kind of like that in-between bit and, yeah. and maybe that's where you guys got stuck with Zachary. And, and so you going through that again, like what is, you know, uh, what does that crossroads kind of look and feel like? And, and then how do you navigate through that? Well, more importantly, like what have you done differently and, and what's been the, the difference? Well, my one thing was bricks and mortar is so risky in Australia and it was not a road I ever wanted to go down because you're, you know, you're relying on foot traffic, you're relying on staff, you've got shop fit outs, you've got rent, you've got all of that kind of stuff. So I was like, great, we're never doing that again because the money that I would spend on that, I can take that and put that into digital marketing and that's going to give me like a return of tenfold. So it just, it didn't make sense to me to ever go down that road again and I wouldn't. Um, and I think for us, we came to a, a sort of crossroads where, you know, the business started to really take off and things were selling out really quickly. And then we needed to do a next production run. And we were like, okay, if we keep the numbers the same, then we're going to have the same result. We're going to be selling out and we're not, we're not going to grow. So you've got to invest to grow. So we, we took a punt, we upped our stock levels and it paid off. And from there we grew more and more and more. So that was, you know, for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it, I, I think it's really interesting. Uh, and I'd also love to get a gauge of like, what's actually changing in the market that you're noticing? Because obviously COVID would have been a, mm. a whirlwind and, and it's a, it was a very different time. Um, and, and obviously e-commerce would have, you know, there was a big on online huge. was huge. Huge. What's the the consensus kind of coming out of 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 COVID, and are you noticing any changes? Uh, you know, are you, like what's your thoughts on 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 the kind of look? I think the thing is what what I've personally experienced, and I don't know if it's just my brands, but people are buying and they're spending more than ever. The space where I can say I have seen the most change is in social media. The algorithms changed. It's a lot more difficult to, you know, get out there the way you used to, you know. People aren't following as much, you know, the algorithm pushes you down. If people aren't interacting in your posts in the first couple of seconds, you get dropped down more and more. It's not as organic as it used to be. Um, so I think definitely um, investing your money in different avenues online is really important now as things have changed and also influencers like we we used to have a much stronger response with influencer placements that we're not having anymore because of those changes in the algorithms so we've had to shift and pivot our strategy like for example you know we would give to influencers that had hundreds of thousands of followers because when it was more organic we were reaching such a big audience yeah. where now we're finding micro influencers are having a much 
you know, much bigger impact and much bigger interaction than, you know, your influencers that have hundreds of thousands of followers, which is, you know, really interesting. And that's sort of come as, you know, as we've come out of COVID.